0: Coming up on the Keto Camp podcast, we bring on Patrick McEwen.
1: Mouth breathing is much more than just this habit of breathing through the mouth, and we have to ask the question: What on earth does the mouth do when it comes to the breath? Nothing. is Nothing. There is no <laughs> part of the mouth that is devoted to helping the, to condition the incoming air, to filter it, to regulate it, to moisten it. And um, mouth breathing, it's driving the body and mind into a sympathetic state, an increased stress response. And with that, sleep is disrupted. Inflammation can be more prevalent when the body is in a state of stress and you know then you can consider the overall impact of that
0: we have access to ancient healing strategies such as ketosis fasting and carnivore and on the keto camp podcast we are determined to deliver the science to you we bring in the thought leaders in this space to have extraordinary conversations Hey Keto Camper, Ben here. Thank you for pressing play today. We have an awesome episode, an outstanding episode about the fundamentals of health. Now this is not a topic today about necessarily keto and fasting, but you know what? It kind of is because if you follow the principles shared on today's interview with Patrick McEwen, it's going to upgrade your keto results, your fat burning, your intermittent fasting, everything because we talk about the fundamentals and it starts with your breath. Patrick is coming on this show today and he's going to share all about breathing, slow and easy. And he's going to debunk a lot of myths like taking deep breaths, while you don't want to do that, and how the lack of quality breathing, I'm going to put it that way, the lack of quality breathing could lead to stress, anxiety, excessive yawning, sleep apnea, Digestive issues, brain issues. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. So we dive deep into his book, The Oxygen Advantage, the simple, scientifically proven breathing techniques for a healthier, slimmer, faster, fitter you. You know, if you take one thing from today's conversation, let it be mouth taping. And you're going to hear why I mouth tape every single night. You're going to hear about my struggles with breathing issues, being a mouth breather, how that led to. Uh, crowded teeth, high expansion in my upper, I forget the name of it, in my mouth. (laughs) That's the easy way to put it. And I'm dealing with that myself. So he's going to come on here. He's going to share something called the Bolt Score. And it's a really cool way to assess your risk of issues in the future from breathing. And this Bolt Score, if you score, he's going to share how it works. And if you score 25 or higher, you have an 80, I think it was 88% chance of not developing some disorders from sleep from uh, breathing issues. He's also going to share his struggles with um having asthma, sleep disturbances, stress, a high resting heart rate and ha- what happened in 1998 when he came across the benefits of sleeping the right way. Not nothing new here. Look, there's nothing new about what we spoke about today. It started to be spoken about in 1909 he shared, but It's just not as common as what we we would like. It's just not spoken about by your conventional doctor, by your conventional dentist, by your health practitioner, Uh, most likely it's not. So we're going to talk about breathing and how to breathe the right way. He's going to give you some simple exercises to do. I recommend doing this before eating a meal to put you in that parasympathetic state. He's going to talk about the difference between parasympathetic, sympathetic, the autonomic nervous system. So do some of these activities before eating a meal. If you're constipated, it could be from being a mouth breather, etc. So let's dive deep into this. And this is an episode that every parent needs to listen to because we want to educate our children on these principles so they don't don't have to deal with the issues that I had to deal with as a, a result of being a mouth breather as a child. So before I bring him on, and you're going to love his accent, by the way, he's got an awesome accent. I want to take a minute here to get to the Apple Podcast rating and review of the day. This is a five-star review from Try It, You Will Be Hooked. Yeah, that's the name of the (laughs) reviewer. It's titled, the review is titled, So Many Helpful Topics. I listen to the Keto Camp Podcast as often as possible. The information covered is so helpful to me. I believe Ben is a wealth of information. I am so grateful of Ben for doing so much research and packaging it so I could understand it. My personal keto journey would not have been as successful without the knowledge I learned from Ben. Thank you. Wow. Thank you so much for listening. And I'm so glad that the show has helped you out on your keto journey. And uh, yeah, just keep up the amazing work. Keep applying the principles. I'll keep getting out the work to you. We released episodes New episodes every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So we'll keep this going for you and everybody who's listening to the show. If you haven't left the Keto Camp podcast a rating and review yet on Apple Podcast or any uh, of the podcast platforms you listen to, please do so right now. It really helps the show grow and expand and reach more lives. Okay, let's have a fun conversation with Patrick McEwen, who has an awesome accent and his knowledge is even better. Patrick McEwen is an international best-selling author of the Oxygen Advantage and creator and master instructor of the Oxygen Advantage technique. Patrick is widely regarded as one of the world's leading breathing re-education experts. Whether you are a weekend warrior or an Olympic athlete, Patrick's methods provide a fast, simple, scientific, and certain way to revolutionize your sports performance and improve your daily well-being. And health. Over the past two decades, Patrick has trained thousands of people around the world to safely challenge their bodies and produce positive changes through breathing re-education. He teaches us a new way to breathe combined with specific exercises designed to improve blood chemistry. The result is an increase to oxygen blood flow to all the body systems, meaning greater endurance, strength, and power. Quick shout out to my friend Michael Oakes, who first recommended Patrick's book, The Oxygen Advantage to Me. Here's Patrick McEwen. Patrick McEwen, welcome to the Keto Camp podcast. It's a pleasure, Ben. It's good to be here. Yeah, I'm excited. I've been looking forward to this interview. I know we had it on the books for a couple of months now. You're joining from across the pond. You said it's about 8 p.m. for you. So thanks for doing a late night session today. I want to start right here. 1998. You had asthma, you had sleep issues, high stress, your health was pretty much uh, not optimal and you came across an article and it changed your life. So let's start right there.
1: Yeah, that was pretty much it. You know, I remember as a kid going to school that if I was late for the bus, which often happens, I wouldn't have had the engine to go running for the bus. It would just have brought on wheezing. I also remember falling asleep a lot in class. At 14 years of age, I left school altogether, never to go back. And the first time I wrote about it was in a new book called Atomic Focus because it's not something that you want to go bragging about that you you left school at 14. Life changed. I went back to school at 15 and I really studied hard to get the points to get into university and it could have been a lot easier. And that's why I wrote in terms of Atomic Focus because You think about education and what what is required to excel academically or even just to pass grades, concentration, attention span, good energy is required, but yet the education system is completely overlooking that. So So while education demands that the student is able to concentrate and demands that the student can hold their attention on the curriculum, education is not teaching the kid how to concentrate or to develop their attention span. So I really feel that education is is falling so short of the mark. But anyway, you know, with with asthma, it's very common with asthma that you have sleep disorders. It's really, really common, especially if your asthma is out of control. And it's also common with asthma that you have a stuffy nose. And if you have nasal congestion, you're more likely to mouth breathe. Mouth breathing is faster breathing, upper chest breathing, and that will drive you more into a sympathetic response. And my resting heart rate was 80 beats per minute Wow! back at that point. And, you know, like I wasn't overly obsessed with my health either back then. But I knew something wasn't quite right. And like many people, you know, you, you have an idea that something is not quite right, but you're so stuck in trying to get through the goals that you've set for yourself, whether you're a kid or in the corporate world or whatever. And yeah, it was a newspaper article. And funny enough, I read it. I read one article first and it kind of stuck with me, but I didn't do much about it. And then I read a similar article in another newspaper again, shortly afterwards. And that's when I started doing the nose and exercise. And that, all that involved was I had a stuffy nose all the time, taking a normal breath in and out through the nose, pinching the nose and just gently nodding the head up and down, holding the breath and holding the breath until I felt moderate to strong air hunger, then letting go and breathing in through the nose, waiting a minute and doing it again. Do it five or six times. My nose opened up. I knew I was onto something. I knew there was truth in the article because I could feel the difference just by doing that. And then I started practicing slow breathing and light breathing over the days ahead. And I was able to bring and influence the temperature of my fingers because it was very common that I had cold hands and cold feet. That night I take my mouth closed, but I also used a nasal dilator to help open up my nose so that I wouldn't suffocate during sleep. And the first morning I don't re- remember making much of a difference. But the second morning I remember waking up and really feeling refreshed. And I was in the corporate world, that's my background. You know, I had studied hard for a degree. And I entered the corporate world. I absolutely hated it. But when I look back, I think the part of the reason that I hated it was because of the stress that was involved and the constant pressure and targets to be achieved. But was it the corporation or was it myself? Because I was a faster breeder, upper chest breeder, a little bit highly strung, poor sleep. And how on earth can you be productive if your physiology is off? my physiology was off. I was very much stuck in my head. So I was very much ruminating and taught. And with breathing, it gave me the ability to bring a better balance and to feel calmer physiologically. And with that, then I got more interested, say, in spirituality, not necessarily in religion, um, but more in, in terms of helping to bring a stillness and a quietness to the mind, to be able to direct my attention to where I want to direct it upon. And I went to Russia then. I trained under Dr. Buteko. I came back and I've been teaching this 20 years, which is kind of weird because we have our 20th anniversary in two months' time on the 17th of March.
0: Congratulations.
1: 2022, but it's 20 years that was gone by pretty quickly.
0: Yeah, super interesting. And, and congratulations on your 20-year anniversary coming up. Yeah, your book, I listened to your book on Audible, although it's available on paperback and Kindle. It's called The Oxygen Advantage and uh, The Simple Scientifically Proven Breathing Techniques for a Healthier, Slimmer, Faster, Fitter You. All that sounds incredible. And you know what? Before I listened to your book, and it's really awesome because you actually narrated the book. So that I love when authors do that. I didn't really put much energy and focus into nostril breathing or saw the benefits of it or really didn't even wasn't aware of the benefits and you really opened up a whole new world to me that I started to practice what you preach and I started to share it with my community so for me and I know that you could you see this very similar around the world I grew up here in America and I followed a standard american diet high in sugar I got braces when I was a young kid Right, conventional orthodontist, got the braces off, didn't wear my retainer. And over the years, until I turned 24 years old, 24 years old is when I got my life together and health together. But before that, 24 years of eating bad diets and not taking care of my teeth, I am now 37 years old and I'm personally now dealing with those repercussions. What do I mean by that? Well, I have these these crowded teeth, right? And I am seeing a holistic dentist and I'm wearing an expander and I'm taking care of all that. It's been a process, but I have been a mouth breather for so long. And I have been in this fight or flight sympathetic state. And it wasn't until your book that I started to kind of put these pieces together. So what I'm, why I'm sharing this is because I'm dealing with this myself. And and I know you see this all over the place. So why do we have such an epidemic of people with crowded teeth? Why is there crowded teeth? What does our diet have to do with that? Like, If you could share the evolution of what's going on here.
1: Yeah, it's very interesting in terms of crowded teeth, crowded teeth go more beyond just the aesthetics of overcrowding of teeth. If the teeth are crowded, it's telling you that your jaws are too small. And if your jaws are too small, there's not enough room for the tongue in the mouth. And if there's not enough room for the tongue in the mouth, the tongue is more likely to encroach the airway. And this can increase the risk of sleep disorder breathing. So with mouth breathing, The tongue doesn't rest in the roof of the mouth during the formative years. So as a child growing up, if they have their mouth open, they typically will have their tongue resting low either midway or on the floor of the mouth because they're breathing through the mouth. So they cannot have their tongue resting in the roof of the mouth. But resting tongue posture is very important because it's the pressure exerted by the tongue as it rests or should rest in the roof of the mouth, which helps to develop the growth of the face forward. Now I was a mouth breeder too. My top jaw, the maxilla is set back. My lower jaw is set back. And as a result, I've got compromised airways. And there's very little you can do to help, you know, to really develop the airways beyond childhood, unless you were to do something drastic like jaw surgery. Now, what I've done with Dr. William Hang is I've have palate expansion, which will help. That's what I'm using. You're okay. And it does definitely help to some extent. Mm Mm-hmm. And it, it widens the mouth. And as a result, then there's enough room for the teeth. And as a result, also, it will help to in- increase space for the for the tongue.
0: You know, so just to pause you real quick. So I'm seeing a holistic dentist who is, he gave me that palette. I wear it as much as I can. But he said that he's never seen somebody with such a narrow roof, in my mouth ever before like mine. It's like deep up there, (laughs) which is absolutely incredible in a bad way. So I'm working on that, but it's been quite the process for me.
1: Yeah. And it's good to do it gently because really what he's talking about there, he's talking about the roof of the mouth that it's very vaulted. So it's a high narrow palate. And the problem with the palate, if it's so high, it's going to infringe in the nasal cavity. But also because of having narrow jaws, then the nostrils tend to be narrower and smaller. And it makes breathing through the nose more difficult because the person then feels they are hunger, they're more likely to mouth breathe Ben, it's really remarkable that this information, none of it is new. And if you go to a journal, Dental Cosmos, which was written back in 1909. The researcher at the time spoke about the child in school, mouth breathing, that the face was dull and expressionless, the teachers accusing the child of being inattentive in class. The child may be waking up with a headache, having sleep disorder, breathing. The child is overcrowding of teeth. And that was written back in 1909. And unfortunately, the dental profession as a whole have overlooked this or ignored it, with the exception of holistic dentists who want to go beyond the the teeth. They have an interest that goes well beyond just straightening teeth, the aesthetics of it, because what they realize that if somebody comes in with overcrowding of teeth, they don't just have crooked teeth. It's likely that they could have a compromised airway. And with that, then it increases the risk of sleep disorder breathing for the rest of that person's life. Now, 25 to 50% of studied children persistently and chronically malbreed. And very few healthcare professionals are talking about this. You know, it's a question that I've often wondered what on earth is happening here? And even if we look at tonsillectomy and adenoidectomy in children, which is a very common procedure, it's the gold standard of treatment if a child has sleep disorders and especially obstructive sleep apnea. The tonsils are removed and the adenoids are removed. However, the outcome is only short-term unless the child is taught to nasal breed. And that's the work of Dr. Christian Guimano, who coined the phrase obstructive sleep apnea, who developed the apnea hypopnea index, which is a measure of apnea severity. And he spoke about the critical importance of restoring nasal breathing, both in children and in adults. But yet most ear, nose and throat doctors, when they do a procedure on a child, and it's not a walk in the park, you know, it's, it's having a child, having their tonsils and adenoids removed. That's not just a simple procedure. It's very traumatic for the kid and it's traumatic for the parents. And the child of course bounces back, but why waste this opportunity? And why let the child leave the hospital and continue their mouth breathing pattern? And there's absolutely no attention paid by the ear, nose and throat doctor to the long-term ramifications of continued mouth breathing. Like it's really, really ridiculous here. And um, it, the thing is, you know, the, the critical growth of the child's face it's probably between two and five years of age, but you know, even if you get children breathing through their nose at age six, seven, eight, and nine, the younger you can do it, the better. Mm -hmm. And a good looking face is important as well. We have to be realistic here. You know, society treats good looking people better than poor looking people. And it's your breathing through your nose during childhood, but correct tongue resting posture that helps to influence that. But more importantly, it helps us function. There was a study done by Karen Bonnock, and I think she's an American researcher, but she looked at 11,000 children in Britain, in Stratford-upon-Avon, it's the town where Shakespeare was from. And she concluded from the study, it was a longitudinal study, she concluded that children who had sleep disorder breathing, if they were untreated by age five, these children had a 40% increased risk of special education needs by age eight. Wow. And the reason being was because... 40%. And they can say Bonnock is her name, B-O-N-U-C-K. And you'll see it. It's published in Pediatrics Journal in 2012. And a study involving 11,000 plus children. And I think it's over either four years or six years was the study. Now, the problem here is that if a child is snoring, or if they have resistance to their breathing during sleep or noisy breathing during sleep, they don't get deep, deep sleep. And it's the deep sleep that is necessary for development of the brain. So you can almost state that sleep disorder breathing can contribute to damage of the brain during the formative years of that child. Now, if we were to add up the economic and social and moral costs of that, and I think she quotes the statistics of the children in the United States, that it's as high as two to three million children. Who have learning difficulties as a result of sleep disorder breathing? You'll see it in the paper. I can send it on to you after after this, yes, for example. Yes.
0: Yeah, I'll put in the notes. Yeah. And
1: with that, you know, one of the classic hallmarks of sleep disorder breathing is mouth breathing during childhood. Mm-hmm. So mouth breathing is much more than just this habit of breathing through the mouth, and we have to ask the question: What on earth does the mouth do when it comes to the breath?
0: Nothing is nothing.
1: There is no (laughs) part of the mouth that is devoted to helping to condition the incoming air, to filter it, to regulate it, to moisten it. And mouth breathing, it's driving the body and mind into a sympathetic state, an increased stress response. And with that, sleep is disrupted. Inflammation can be more prevalent when the body is in a state of stress. And, you know, then you can consider the overall impact of that.
0: Yeah. And if you think about it, I mean, that's astonishing that that research you just shared. And and it's a discussion that every government should be talking about, school systems should be speaking about because it's contributing to our society and the growth or destruction of a society and our healthcare costs, etc. So it's tragic that it's not being spoken about. But you know what, your book, your information, your work, Conversations like this. Now my audience is going to be exposed to it. So if you're watching this or listening to this episode, share it. Share it with the parent. If you are a parent, apply these principles to your children. This is how we could actually reshape and and you know, no pun intended, reshape our future here. Like I'm dealing with this myself. You, you described that article. I think in 1909, you said of learning uh, issues and it's contributing to all these problems down the line in the in the future of these children. That's exactly what happened to me. Sometimes at night, right before bed, my mind is just racing. I have problems that I need to solve, ideas I want to put into action, content I want to create. And I know you can relate. The mind just keeps racing, but I want to calm down for some sleep, quality sleep. One of the things that I did to really overcome the mind racing at night is two things. Number one, something called a mental dump. It's not as gross as it sounds. I would just write down on a piece of paper what's on my mind. So if it's a problem, I'll write it down. If it's an idea, I'll write it down. I'll take it from the mind, from the brain, to a piece of paper. And then I combine that with the second solution, which is taking a high-quality magnesium supplement. And they're not all the same. For me, it's magnesium breakthrough. And since I have implemented Mag Breakthrough, now I have no problem falling asleep. These two solutions work really, really well. Unlike other magnesium supplements that might be giving you maybe one to two forms of magnesium, Mag Breakthrough contains all seven forms of magnesium designed to help calm your mind, help you fall asleep, stay asleep, and wake up refreshed. Over 75% of the population is magnesium deficient. And what most people don't know is that even when they're taking a magnesium supplement, they could still be deficient because they're not getting all seven forms. This is where Mag Breakthrough is the ultimate way to give your body all seven forms in one supplement. For an exclusive offer to all Keto Camp Academy listeners, head over to magbreakthrough.com slash ketocamp and use the coupon code KETOCAMP10 at checkout. You'll save 10% 10% off this all-natural full spectrum magnesium supplement. We'll drop the link down below in the podcast notes. That is magbreakthrough.com/slash ketocamp and the coupon code is KetoCamp10. But before we talk about some of the solutions and how we can make the changes, I want to really talk a little bit more about some other problems that can develop with chronic mouth breathing. Of course, we know the parasympathetic versus sympathetic nervous system, you're going to be too much of the fight or flight sympathetic. But what about like things like just yawning excessively, right? People don't realize that just yawning excessively could be a clue that you're a mouth breather. and I learned that from you. Could you talk about that?
1: Yeah, yawning excessively it's it's more a clue that you have dysfunctional breathing patterns. So mm. you know any time that I'm working with a student coming in, of course, the first thing that we want to switch is change from mouth to nose breathing as much as possible. And it's not just about breathing through the nose. It's also about developing functional breathing patterns. So for example, when you breathe through your nose, you're more likely to breathe light. And light breathing helps to ensure that the biochemistry of the blood is normal, because the primary regulator of blood pH is not the food that we are eating, but it's actually the volume of air that we are breathing. And the body is striving for homeostasis, that blood pH is 7.365. And if we breathe too hard and too fast, it's increasing blood pH, respiratory alkalosis, And this in turn then can cause arousal of the central nervous system. So that the the mind, the brain is going into a state of almost agitation or arousal as a result of the stress from hyperventilation. Mm. Another aspect is that we want to look at as breathing using recruitment of the diaphragm. And the diaphragm breathing muscle is not just for respiration, but it's also connected with the emotions. And the diaphragm breathing muscle is also connected with the upper airway dilator muscles in the throat. Now, every time we breathe with optimal movement of the diaphragm, it helps with lymphatic drainage, but it's also massaging all of the internal organs, the gastrointestinal tract, for example. So when we take a breath of air into the lungs, there's a negative pressure created in the thorax, but there's a positive pressure created in the abdomen. And each breath we are taking, we have that movement of the diaphragm and that's almost that it's a massage and it's very essential as well. And it can impact a number of different functions of the body. And there's no doubt that gut health can also be influenced. And I haven't gone so far down that, but I have seen it with quite a number of people over the years, people coming in with irritable bowel syndrome and also people with constipation. That when we can improve their breathing from a biochemical point of view and a biomechanical point of view, that it can assist with the health of the GI tract. So I would come back to, you know, overall, if we're talking about the autonomic nervous system, if we breathe fast, whether it's during rest or during sleep, the brain will naturally interpret that the body is under threat. And when the brain is interpreting that the body is under threat, the brain is sending signals of, almost of agitation of stress to the body. So you have that continuous feedback by improving somebody's breathing. You can help to dampen the stress response and you can help to increase the parasympathetic, the body's relaxation response. We can bring a balance in the autonomic nervous system. And really that's where we want to be as human beings. We need to be resilient. We don't want to be tipped into fight or flight all the time. Every now and again is fine. We're well able to deal with short-term stress But we're not able to deal with long term stress. Ask like any person that we look at who has been dealing with long term stress, eventually it catches up with them. You know, you could have an individual with good genetics and they'll cope and they'll get by with it for a certain period of time. But sooner or later, they may have chronic fatigue, or for example, they're going into mental health issues, fibromyalgia. And, you know, different complaints could be rheumatoid arthritis. And I think a lot of the conditions that we experience are influenced by where we are in terms of the autonomic nervous system. Now, the breath, I don't want to make that it's a cure-all, but by changing our breathing patterns, we can stimulate the vagus nerve. And the vagus nerve is this nerve that most people are aware of, but it's wandering throughout the body. And 80 to 90% of the nerve fibers are from the body up to the brain. So you have this, all of this communication via the vagus nerve from the body up to the brain. And when we have a really slow, if we slow down our breathing, especially the exhalation, it's not so much the inhalation. The inhalation is when the foot has taken off the brake. So the inhalation is more under the stress response, but the exhalation is under the body's relaxation response. And whenever we have a slow and relaxed exhalation, we stimulate the vagus nerve, which secretes a neurotransmitter called acetylcholine and acetylcholine causes a slowing of the heart rate. And when the heart rate slows down, the brain is interpreting that the body is safe. Now your students and listeners can practice this, you know, so say for example, you're sitting in your house and bring your attention onto your breathing and really slow down the speed of the air coming into your nose almost that the breath coming into your nose is imperceptible. And then you're having a really relaxed and a slow and a gentle exhalation. And then when you need to breathe in, you're taking a very soft and slow, gentle breath coming into your nose and a really relaxed and a slow and a gentle exhalation. So during the inhalation, to breathe so softly, almost that the fine hairs within the nostrils do not move so that you're deliberately taking less air into the body during the inhalation, simply by concentrating on the airflow coming into the nostrils. And at the end of the inhalation, bring a feeling of relaxation to the body and have a really relaxed and a slow and a gentle exhalation. When you're doing that correctly, you're going to feel air hunger. And air hunger signifies the carbon dioxide has increased in the blood. It's not as signif. It doesn't signify that your oxygen has dropped. In actual fact, carbon dioxide, when it increases in the blood, will help to improve your blood circulation, and it's likely that you will feel warmer hands. But as you do that exercise for two to three minutes, check the saliva in your mouth. It's normal that it increases. Now, when we think of the fight or flight response of the body, when when the human body. Is under stress, the mouth goes dry. It's not a time for eating food and it's not a time for digestion of food. But when we slow down our breathing and we really soften the speed of the inhalation and also really slow and relaxed exhalation, check if you have increased water saliva in the mouth. And it's telling you that you've dampened the stress response, you've helped to promote or activate the body's relaxation response. And now the body, is ready for the digestion of food and simple tools that we can bring into our everyday life. Because, you know, a lot of this information, it's so simple, but it has got misinterpreted. And you will see it in pockets here and there. And I'm, I'm talking about, I was listening to a, a podcast by a Dr. Rangan Chatterjee. He's a really well-known doctor in the United Kingdom. And He was interviewing a brain surgeon, Dr. Rahul, and you can imagine that this is a difficult job to do. That he has a patient in front of him, he's operating on the brain. You know, I can't imagine anything. It's not something that you'd want to go in with a hangover of a Monday morning. Put it that way. So, but he he spoke during his podcast, Dr. Rahul did, and he said, "I quote: The first thing I do when I get into a tricky situation is that I stop myself from hyperventilating, and." you know, we, this is normal stuff. But why doesn't everybody know about it? Of course, the good doctor knows about it because he knows in depth, he knows physiology. Because normally when we get into a tricky situation, we respond with harder and faster breathing. But that harder and faster breathing is not just a response to the difficult situation. How is the brain interpreting it? The brain is interpreting that the body is under threat, And all the brain wants to do is to get you the hell out of the situation. So, you know, whether this applies to the school child, the university student, the office worker, the sports person, police. I had an interview last night with Roger Rouge, and he's a former police officer in the United States. And he provides a lot of training and he's bringing breathing in for police officers. Because, of course, it's really important that they're able to deal with stress because... And you know, he gave the example: have a first responder, and they're going to a situation, and the sirens are blazing, and they're they've the you know they're doing a hundred miles an hour in their car, their heart rate is elevated, their respiratory rate is elevated, they haven't even got to the situation, and already they've been tipped into this fight or flight response, and yet they're supposed to be able to remain calm and composed in that situation, and to to have clarity of thought. This is where breathing should come in, because we can change state changing breathing, but we need to have the understanding behind it. And I would say it's not about taking the full big breath that's often espoused. Mm -hmm. You know, if anybody is practicing yoga or different techniques, you shouldn't really be hearing your breathing inside the yoga studio. You can breathe low and light at the same time. And if you are, for example, deliberately taking these full big breaths, the problem is that you can be getting getting rid of too much carbon dioxide from the blood through the lungs. And this in turn is causing your blood vessels to constrict. It's causing less oxygen to be released from the red blood cells to tissues and organs. But also the faster breathing can be causing arousal of the brain. So I would doubt that, you know, most students if they are aware of the basic physiology of breathing and how should we be breathing? Well, in and out through the nose as best you can do it. Breathing should be light. Breathing should be slow and breathing should be low. And normally when I'm working with a student, we'll focus on nose breathing first and show them how to decongest the nose. And then we work with light breathing, just focus on the biochemistry, taking less air into the body and reducing the sensitivity to carbon dioxide. Because when you breathe light, you help to achieve slower breathing long-term. So by deliberately softening the speed of air coming in and out of the nose, by practicing that at different times throughout the day and bringing it into your everyday life, you achieve slower breathing rate and a calmer breathing. And this also reduces... Snoring, for example, it reduces the risk of obstructive sleep apnea. It reduces breathlessness during physical exercise. And then we bring in slow breathing to stimulate the vagus nerve to improve alveolar ventilation. And we bring in low breathing. And I kind of use the acronym LSD, light, slow, and deep. But, you know, in terms of from your viewpoint, if somebody is having obstructive sleep apnea, it wreaks havoc on the autonomic nervous system. And it plays hell with hormones, leptin and ghrelin. So for example, leptin is the hormone that's, if I remember correctly, is sending you a signal that when you've eaten a meal that you're, you get a signal that you're feeling full. And ghrelin is a hormone that promotes or stimulates your appetite. But if one is prone to obstructive sleep apnea, and it's very common, like it can affect as as many as 40% of males over 40 years of age, you know? So, and this is coming back to the mouth breathing during childhood. I had undiagnosed obstructive sleep apnea. And that's why my heart rate that I believe my heart rate was so high, you know, that it was as high as 80 beats per minute. I was in that constant stress response. And then you have other difficulties because this then will influence your food choices, but it also influences the volume of food that you eat. Mm -hmm. And also because of dysfunctional breathing, you don't want to do physical exercise because you feel too breathless during physical exercise. So now you have a vicious circle. The person doesn't like to feel the, the discomfort when they do physical exercise because they just feel too breathless. And then they're putting on weight because they're not able to do exercise or they have exercise intolerance. Their breathing is poor, so it's it's playing havoc with their sleep. They're waking up then and they have a voracious appetite and they're, they're eating more food, which is putting on weight. And with obstructive sleep apnea, it's almost that it's a vicious circle because when we put weight on the belly, it impinges the movement of the diaphragm. And it in turn reduces lung volume. So the throat is more liable to collapse. But when we put weight on, we're not just putting weight on the torso. We're also putting extra fat onto the tongue. We're putting extra fat onto the throat. We're narrowing the airway and the tongue then in the roof of the mouth or the tongue in the mouth then is occupying more space and is infringing in the airway to increase the risk of sleep apnea. So you know i suppose the human body as you know was going to be it's so complex and all too often we are all guilty of it that we focus on one function of the human body but we forget about the fun- the other functions we focus on one function without giving consideration that everything is interlinked and if one function is off and i'd say the three obvious ones would be breathing the mind and sleep because mm-hmm. If you have a lousy sleep and you're waking up in the morning, and we we all have the odd day like this, you're waking up and you just feel that you've had a lousy sleep. Well, your mind is going to be agitated that, that day. And if you're in stress, your breathing naturally becomes harder and faster, but harder and faster breathing contributes to sleep disorders and harder and faster breathing also contributes to agitation of the mind. So your sleep impacts the mind, your mind impacts your breathing, your breathing impacts your mind, and your breathing impacts your sleep. They are all interconnected. And when I think of people with anxiety and panic disorder, and they must have their own challenges when it comes to food. Some groups of individuals will be eating too little food and some will be eating too much food. So from a breathing perspective, 75% of individuals with panic disorder and anxiety have dysfunctional breathing. Cognitive behavioral therapy does not address breathing patterns. And also, many of these people have poor sleep. And I remember, you know, a woman coming into me with depression. It's going back now quite a few years. It could even be 10 years. And I asked her the question. I said, when you wake up in the morning, how do you feel? And she said that she wakes up feeling absolutely exhausted. And I said to to her, have you ever done a sleep study? Has anybody ever asked you about the quality of your sleep? And she said, no. Now, here's a woman in her 30s with many years of having depression and going to healthcare professionals here in Ireland. And nobody asked her about the quality of her sleep. And she was waking up feeling exhausted in the morning. Now, it would be too easy to say that it was the depression which was causing her to feel exhaustion. But maybe we should be asking the the other question. Does she have obstructive sleep apnea? Or does she have insomnia and obstructive sleep apnea, which increases the risk of depression? So could it be her sleep disorder breathing, which is causing her depression, rather than her depression causing her exhaustion? You know, so Again, it just we need to get out of our our little silos here. And the one thing about the breath is that, you know, you can get all of these exercises pretty much free online. We've put them out there. You know, all of the breathing exercises for children. Every single breathing exercise for children is up there on YouTube, or if you download your Takeo Clinic app, every single exercise for kids are there. So I roped my ten-year-old daughter into it. We had a professional videographer come in, and we we professionally filmed it because there's no excuse now with information that's out there. And again, people might say, "Well, he's telling me to breathe light, but my instructor down the road is telling me to take these full big breaths." Well, what I would say to you is, practice light breathing for a short period of time, and see if it can change your states. And even if you're feeling a little bit stressed during the day try not to hyperventilate, try and see the connection between how you're feeling and how you're breathing in response to a difficult situation. And even, you know, it's from a breathing perspective, it's about using breathing techniques to change our physiology. And it goes so much more beyond mindfulness. Mindfulness, which is wonderful. But in my own experience, the people who need mindfulness most will find it most frustrating. And the reason being is because their physiology is tipped into that fight or flight response. So if you're feeling stressed, you could do small breath toes to help calm down. So that's, for example, taking a normal breath in and out through your nose and pinching your nose and holding your breath for one, two, three, four, five, letting go, breathing in and out through your nose then for 10 or 15 seconds. And again, taking a normal breath in and out through the nose and holding one, two, three, four, five, letting go and continuing that exercise, or if you're stressed, remember the exhalation. If you breathe out fast, the body is telling the brain that the body is under threat. But if you breathe out slow and relaxed, the body is telling the brain that everything is okay. Because throughout our evolution, whenever we situation, we didn't have a slow exhalation. Whenever we get into a difficult situation, we normally respond with a fast exhalation. So always think that if you're breathing out hard and fast during rest or during sleep, the brain is interpreting that something is not quite right here. So whenever you are confronted with a difficult situation, immediately bring your attention onto your breathing. Take a very soft breath in through your nose and a really relaxed and a slow and a gentle exhalation. And do that for 90 seconds. And that's all it can take to change
0: states. Mm, So good. You know, this is fundamental. And I loved how you linked sleep, mind, and breathing. And if you could get those fundamentals down pat, then if you're doing keto, intermittent fasting, etc., all that's going to upgrade by default. And the opposite is true. If you're doing keto perfectly and fasting perfectly... Hey, Keto Camper, I want to just pause for a second and tell you about my favorite drink... metabolic health. On this podcast, we talk about the importance of metabolic health, metabolic flexibility. Well, this is called good idea, and it is a great idea if you're trying to reduce blood sugar and keep your insulin levels in a healthy range. It has zero calories, zero sweeteners, and none of the junk ingredients, and it tastes like a lightly sparkling water. I call it a functional sparkling water because it has been clinically tested and shown to reduce blood sugar spikes after a meal. It contains a blend of amino acids and chromium piclinate. Together, they slow gastric emptying and increase insulin sensitivity, allowing a steady release of glucose in the bloodstream where it can be transferred into the cells for fuel. It also contains zinc and potassium as an added benefit. They hooked you all up with a special coupon code. So all you need to do is head over to goodidea.us and apply the coupon code BEN, that is B-E-N at checkout at goodidea.us. I'm going to drop that link in the podcast notes along with the coupon code. All right, let's get back to this episode. But you don't have the fundamentals strong, then you're not going to get the results that you, you want. And that's why this conversation needs to be spoken all over the world. You made a great comparison between stress, the sympathetic fight-or-flight nervous system, and what that does to the gut, what it does to the vagus nerve. And we know that, like you said, the gut-brain connection is super strong. Whatever is happening in the brain happens in the gut and vice versa. So it makes sense if somebody is constipated, for example, it's probably a result of them being too much in this sympathetic state. And it could be partly because of this mouth-breathing, excessive breathing Because if you think about it, the body doesn't want to go eliminate if it needs to go fight or flight. It wants to go fight or flight, not use the restroom. Same thing with eating your food. It doesn't want to take time to digest a meal and wants to go fight or flight. So doing some of these breathwork activities and exercises that you mentioned before a meal or when you are constipated goes a long way to dealing with some of these issues that people have no idea these are connected. So I love that you explained that. I also know that you're a big fan, and I do this every night of mouth taping before you go to bed. Why do you love that? Uh, Why do you recommend that? And who should not do that? Maybe somebody is not at that level yet.
1: Um, So in terms of mouth taping, mouth taping was something that brought me so many benefits. You know, it it really was key. And 50% of the adult population are waking up with a dry mouth in the morning. I was
0: one of them, yeah.
1: And we shouldn't be waking up. And also it can wreak havoc on our dental health because there's increased gum disease, increased dental plaque. And this in turn then can also influence the gut. So I started taping. There's a number of different options. You know, the tape that I was traditionally using was one that you can buy in a drugstore or on Amazon called 3M1inch MicroPore Tape. And a year or so ago, we brought out a new tape for children called Myotape. And the difference with Myotape is that Myotape surrounds the mouth so it doesn't actually cover the lips. So we brought it out for children because we needed to have a protocol to help children adopt a nasal breathing during sleep, but we couldn't tape their lips because, of course, there is a risk there. But by having a tape that surrounds the mouth that's elasticated, gently bringing the lips together, we brought it out for kids, but it actually then became more popular with adults. And I think it was especially with adults who might be feeling a little bit apprehensive about wearing the tape across their... And all adults might be feeling, well, I need to get up and I need to have a drink of water. Typically, anyway, when you're breathing through your nose, you don't need to drink water. But also, you don't need to get up to the, go to the bathroom as much when you're breathing in and out through your nose. So mouth breathing can cause more sleep disruptions and fragmentation of your sleep. And as a result, having to get up to go to the bathroom, your sleep is disrupted during that time. And breathing through the nose is that. So the tape that we're using now is Myo tape myo tape and it's not expensive it's $25 for three months supply and the reason that we put in three months is because typically it takes about 60 to 70 days to change a habit and it's not that people need to necessarily wear tape for the rest of their life but certainly to practice it for two to three months and if you're waking up a moist mouth in the morning without the tape you don't need tape so You know, for somebody with sleep apnea, if they're wearing a CPAP machine, the mouth should be closed. For somebody who is snoring. Like, for example, there's, I'll always say to my students, you know, to to make the sound of a snore through the mouth and they go like this. And then I say, close your mouth and try and snore through your mouth. And you can't. Mm -mm. But now snore through your nose and it goes like this. But now ask them to breathe light. Take a very light breath coming into your nose and a relaxed and slow, gentle breath out. And as you're breathing lightly, try and snore through your nose. And you'll find that as you breathe light that you're snoring through the nose is less. You can still snore through your nose with light breathing because nasal snoring is influenced by the airway, so the anatomy of the airway, but it's also influenced by the flow of the breath. The one thing that we can change is We can help to decongest the nose, but we can also help to bring breathing volume, bring down the respiratory rate and make breathing lighter so that there's less turbulence in the airway. And I would also say to people is you should wake up with your tongue resting in the roof of your mouth because your tongue has got two places to be. It's either in the roof of the mouth where it should be or it's falling back into the throat. And a very simple exercise to determine where the tongue position should be is just making the popping sound like this. So by making that sound, you have to elevate the tongue and to roof the mouth and that's where the tongue should be. So, you know, just simple things like with breathing, I would like to see people as this is not, not just about how you're breathing when you're doing a formal practice. How should you breathe when you're walking down the street? Keep your mouth closed. If you're going to do a light gym work, do all of your exercise with the mouth closed. You have better oxygen uptake, better oxygen delivery, better um, recovery post-physical exercise. You're recruiting more of the diaphragm. You're having to protect the airways by nasal breathing because the nose is moistening and heating the air coming into the lungs. But also on the exhale breath, the nose is recovering the heat and moisture from the exhale breath. So you're less likely to be dehydrated. Now it's changing, Ben. And I have to say the last three years, it has been almost a revolution about the importance of nasal breathing. And I would assume that your dentist is aware of it and aware of the consequences of mouth breathing in terms of craniofacial development. Mm -hmm. So it is really getting out there. And it's tremendous to see, because I honestly would say, you know, I never thought I'd see the day. I knew there were benefits in it. And that's what gives you the motivation to stick with something. I'm pretty headstrong anyway, but to stick with something for 20 years but now we're starting to see fruition. And I remember one person said to me, they said a few months ago, they said, yes, it took you 20 years to be an overnight success. But
0: you know what? If it takes that, I'll take that. Uh, yeah, you're leading the renaissance for sure. I, I love to see more people becoming aware of this. And, you know, I want to give a shout out to my friend, Michael Oaks. He was the one who actually recommended your book to me. He uh, was listening to your book and he thought I would get some value from it. So I did. And I and I loved it. And I'm glad that we connected Last thing I want to talk about before we wrap up the conversation. In your book, you talk about the body oxygen level test, the bolt score. Yes. Could you explain the bolt score? And maybe we could do it right now and how somebody could assess their level of breathing, if you will.
1: So the body oxygen level test is it's a simple measurement of your hold time during rest. And you'd want to be sitting down for about five minutes and just having normal breathing and don't care what you get, because if you're, if you're setting yourself up to be a competition, it's going to affect your bowl score. So don't yeah. care what you get. You're sitting down. Take a normal breath in your nose and a normal breath out through your nose and pinch your nose with your fingers. And stop breathing. And time within seconds how long it takes until you feel the first definite desire to breathe. And then let go, but breathe in through your nose, but your breathing should be fairly normal. So it's not the maximum length of your breath hold time. It's simply the length of time that you're going to hold your breath comfortably. So again, you're taking a normal breath in and out through your nose. You're pinching your nose with your fingers to stop breathing and you're timing it in seconds. How long do you stop breathing for until you feel the first definite desire to breathe or the first involuntary movement of your breathing muscles? Then let go, breathe in through your nose and breathe as normal. Now, what's the significance of it? Well, there's an interesting paper published by Professor Kyle Kiesel, and he's a professor of physical therapy from Evansville University. He looked at 51 individuals back in 2018, and he looked at their breathing from a biochemical point of view, a biomechanical point of view, and also from a psychophysiological point of view. That's typically how researchers will look at breathing. That's why it's very important then to train your breathing according to those dimensions, because breathing is not just about breathing low. Breathing is not just about breathing slow. There's also a biochemical dimension to it. But his conclusion was that screen for the presence of dysfunctional breathing by virtue of the length of the breath toll time. And it was the exact same description as the bolt. His conclusion is that if your bolt score is above 25 seconds, there is an 89% chance that dysfunctional breathing is not present. So that's the goal. Now, a lot of people will be shocked, you know, maybe their bowl scores 10 seconds, 10 seconds or 12 seconds. But what I would say is just gently work to improve your bowl score. Do your physical exercise with your mouth closed. Bring your attention out of your mind and into the body and onto the breath and gently slow down and soften the breath. Whenever you've got a minute here and a minute there. If you want to do a formal practice to improve your sleep quality, do 15 minutes before you go to bed at night. To slow down your breathing breathe less feel the air hunger and it's a good place to start because i suppose the first part in developing a habit is actually starting and if you can start with one minute or two minutes but bring breathing into your way of life it's not woo woo it's not this thing that's left a field it's nothing about left of field you know there's is really about being able to change states and if you look at the people who are now that we're working with you know, we've worked with instructors in the Navy SEALs. We've worked with instructors with SWAT, Special Weapons and Tactics. have worked with elite military, elite police. We also work with professional footballers, rugby, MMA fighters. And these guys and gals, these are at the highest level that they can be at. Mm-hmm. But they want that edge. And it's not just about changing your breathing, but it's also about training the brain.
0: Mm. So good. So good. So there you go. Do the bolt exercise. I know when I first did it after reading your, listening to your book, I I think I got like a 22 and then I've been building up ever since. I know in the book, you also said not to do that after a meal, right? So you make sure your stomach is not full. Uh, Is that correct?
1: Yes, it is.
0: Yeah. Because if your stomach is full, it's going to inhibit the bolt score. Yeah. Where can the keto campers listening and watching learn more about you, get your book, buy the tape that you mentioned, the mouth tape, where can they go check you out? The
1: tape website is called myotape.com. So that's myotape.com. I have an, an well, I don't know, I was going to say an interesting book, but I think it could be interesting for your listeners. One is called The Breathing Cure. It was published last year. It's 190,000 words. It's very suitable if people want to delve into the research, the science. And I bring in sleep, women's breathing, diabetes, epilepsy, asthma, functional movement, and functional breathing. Um, So I'm looking at it across a number of different perspectives, and there's 74 pages of references. So where possible, I'm trying to support where we can. Now, we don't always have to research, but where we can, I want to try and show that this isn't left afield, field, that you literally can influence the autonomic nervous system. And you can change, you know, that balance of stress and relaxation. Our website is oxygenadvantage.com. And we're also on social media. The YouTube channel has a lot of videos that are free. I put up another 26 videos last week. And wow. um, yeah, so you'll get you'll get more stuff out of that. And then we have another website called com, which is focusing on the buteco method. So
0: Awesome. We'll put all that down below. So go check out all the links in the podcast notes and the YouTube notes. Uh, Patrick, I want to acknowledge you for the uh, 20 years or so of preaching the message of breathing through your nose and slow and easy. And now I'm so glad that the world is starting to see more of your work, including myself. So thank you for your work. Uh, I really enjoyed today's conversation. I really hope it inspired a lot of people to pay attention to their breathing and educate their children on this. And you're doing awesome, awesome things out there. So I want to say thank you. And I look forward to another conversation with you in the future.
1: It's a pleasure, Ben. Thanks very much for your openness as well to, to delve into the, the topic of breathing.
0: I hope you enjoyed that fun, informative, fundamental conversation with Patrick McEwan. We're going to put his website. All the websites he mentioned is YouTube channel where you could buy the tape, the mouth tape and everything. All his socials could be found down below. Go check them out. Let them know you heard him on the Keto Camp Podcast and share this episode with a parent, with a friend. We need to spread the message like wildfire and get people breathing the way we were designed to breathe, which is normal breathing. I really hope you enjoyed this conversation. If you did, please consider leaving the show a rating and review on whatever podcast platform you are listening to. I want to thank you so much for listening to this entire episode. Follow me on Instagram at Benazati. Follow me on TikTok at TheBenazade. And we're going to release the video version of this interview with Patrick on our KetoCamp YouTube channel soon. Thank you. Have an awesome weekend. And I'll see you on the next episode.